0: Hello and welcome to Fresh Ears. I'm Neil Cowling, the founder of Fresh Air, the UK's leading producer of podcasts for brands and businesses. We're always trying to understand more about both the art and the science of what we do. Podcasts are great, yes, but why are they great? And what's the objective value that they can bring to a brand? Why would you make something 20 minutes long without pictures? when there are so many lovely video things you could create. Well, as part of this effort to understand audio, we've been working with Kinder Studios, a specialist team who apply neuroscience research to creative projects, delving into the neuroscience of how our brains understand and react to podcasts. The result is three blogs that you can see on our brand new shiny Fresh Air website. And in these episodes of Fresh Ears, where we're exploring the neuroscience. And today it's about memory. My guests are Robin Landau and Catherine templar lewis the co-founders of KINDER. Hello, hello.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: So welcome. And Catherine, the subtitle of this article is Our Brains Are Coded for Podcasts, which is very convenient if you're a <laughs> podcast production company. <laughs> But that's all based on memory and storytelling. What do you mean by that?
1: It is indeed. And and you know our brains are encoded for podcasts. Well, they're encoded for stories and narratives um, and which you know is good because that is the basis of, of all long form podcasts. And by that, all we mean is that we forget that we evolved as storytellers you know, we didn't evolve as film watchers. We have eyes and they keep us safe by looking at, at the environment around us. But our capacity to adapt and learn as human beings in a highly volatile and uncertain world was down to our ability to tell each other stories. You know, fundamentally, our brains are always trying to predict what happens next. And in order to do so, um, we look to our own memories, our own experience to try and work out what, what will save us, what will help us survive. Now, obviously in the modern world, you know, survival is less sort of predators and, and falling rocks and more sort of, you know, existential climate change and things like that. But we still have this brain that listens to stories, is enabled to imagine being there and then from that story learn. So that when we encounter something that we, we've never seen before, we can go back and remember a story we were told about it and possibly know what to do and how to act So we talk about memory encoding, which is how well we listen to stories and lay down memories, which, of course, translate of your brand uh, into impact. When we talk about what is the impact that this story has or this brand narrative has, we actually mean how strong a memory can it anchor.
0: And so those stories kind of tie the facts together. They they tie together the takeouts, but they make it more consumable for your brain
2: hundred percent. As Catherine said, we're hardwired for stories. And actually hearing as a sense is really powerful. It's one of the first we develop in the womb. And it's the last one to switch off when we die, actually. So we probably all take our hearing and the role it plays in our life for granted. But we're bombarded by facts in all waking moments of our day. But actually what the science shows us is that when things are encoded or, or coded as stories, we remember them more easily. I think the sweet spot that mostly any brand wants to hit is how can they Okay arm their listener with the right amount of information that they're going to be able to lay down the memories for it, create that impact without overwhelming them. That's certainly what what we try and do with the science that we share. How can we provide the right amount of information without overwhelming that you can go to the pub later and brag to your friend later about what you learned? And ultimately, when we experience things or when we hear things as stories, it enables us to do that more so. And doing so really allows us to influence attention, as we spoke about before, the mental effort that we put into it and also creates an emotional response, which we'll speak about afterwards. And I'm gonna say and the good news really for, for brands and, and
1: podcast makers is that, you know, research neuroscience has shown us that in order to lay down stronger memories, actually things that we hear we lay down stronger memories sometimes than things that we see and hear. Mm-hmm. There's a very famous study done with Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, and they looked at the encoding of memories after people either just listened to the speech or listened and watched the speech. And actually, surprisingly perhaps, people were laying down stronger memories just by listening to it without the visuals because there was more engagement, more co-creation. People were imagining it themselves. And so in doing so, they put more energy and attention into listening and laid down stronger memories.
0: That is an amazing study for anyone who wants to go on the website and and see the blog. It's two graphs essentially side by side and the emotional response that was driven by those who were watching versus those who were just listening. And, And the difference is extreme, isn't it?
1: It's absolutely remarkable. I mean, the sort of the line uh, that denotes people just sort of watching and listening is almost flat. It just ripples a little bit. And then you look at the the second line, which shows the encoding, the memories laid down by people who are just listening. And it goes up and down like mountains, really. And, you know, and these amazing moments in these sort of pauses after he describes something, there's a huge spike in memory encoding as people are really imagining um, what he's saying and really living it. And therefore the brain's going, this is really important because the more um, we emotionally feel something the more the brain thinks it's important and the more likely it is to lay down that memory which of course brings us back again to emotion our favorite topic
0: (laughs) yeah so let's talk about that so what's the neuroscience definition of emotion how do you quantify that
2: well it's going to be uh slightly controversial but we're we're here for it (laughs) (laughs) so an emotion is simply a physiological sensation in your body your heart rate accelerating, your stomach rumbling, even your jaw tightening. These are all just emotional markers. And it's based on the context that we're in that actually translates to our brain. It as a feeling. So, for example, if I have a rumbling in my stomach before sitting here with you, I'm probably nervous about speaking. But if I was sitting at a dinner table, then actually that emotion would signal that I'm hungry. So these physiological sensations can mean many things. But the reason that it's so paramount and so fundamental in, in audio-based formats and podcasts in specific is because sound and music directly translates to our limbic system in our brain, which is the seat of emotion. And it really drives these huge emotional responses in our body. We've all had this experience where you're listening to a story. And as Catherine said, when Martin Luther King has these pauses, you know, something changes within you or you're listening to a song and the hairs on your arm stand up. We've all had these physiological sensations. And so part of the reason why storytelling is better than facts, for example, is because it creates this physiological change. And those physiological changes actually are what tells our brain to take action. You know, your stomach rumbles and then it tells your brain that you, you need to eat something or maybe I need to drink a glass of water to calm myself down for my nerves and so when you feel the emotions within the story it allows you to have more meaning attached to it you know more sensations within your body and actually drives you to take action so a good example is they did one of my favorite studies to talk about always <laughs> they, they did a study about environmental narratives and it should be noted to say that you know whether they were you know Positive emotions or negative emotions didn't matter. But they compared embedding facts within narratives for the environmentalism or giving people facts to begin with. And actually, what they showed was that all the stories encouraged people to take more action towards the environment. Um, They were starting to live more sustainably, recycle more. And they really narrowed that down to the physiological changes in the individual's body versus the facts not triggering any of that really.
0: And so you talk about hearing being the quickest. Our senses, does that mean that audio has a a particular power to trigger emotions and to trigger actions?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we love all the senses, (laughs) but we do have a soft spot for for sound as well. Uh, Sound and smell actually are probably two of the fastest and most emotionally activating. Um, simply because we evolved our sense of hearing to keep us safe and we became very attuned to things in the environment that sounded dangerous and we also then developed language and out of language we developed this ability to hear other people's emotions in the tone of their voice and it was off the back of that that we created music at first to mimic these different tones that had these different emotional connotations and that's how you end up with incredible compositions which actually can you know, lead the brain to, to feel all these sorts of emotions. That's why stories are so emotional. And so what we're sort of learning, really, and and the science is, is showing, and, you know, everyone like yourself knows instinctively that facts put into a story are going to A, lay down stronger memories, um and be more emotional and that emotion also drives action and you can see this chemically in the body as well you know as well as being these physiological changes in the body emotions denoted by the chemicals you release yeah so
0: let's dig into that a bit because we've we've heard of dopamine and oxytocin and i've no idea what they what they do so talk talk us through that a bit
2: i feel like dopamine is the one that needs the most clarity because it gets a bad rap doesn't it (laughs) Yeah,
1: that is true. It does get it because it's it is a it's a sneaky chemical uh, in the brain. It's the, <laughs> it's the reward uh, chemical that we give ourselves uh, to reward ourselves often for staying safe or learning something new. Um, of course, it's that it is the chemical that that you can get if you have things like sugar and treats like that. So it's got a very mixed view. But when it comes from from stories, it's actually a very positive thing. We develop the ability to listen to stories that we think are useful to us um, and follow the pattern of the story which often in a very typical way goes through that that typical you know the Cinderella arc there's some sort of crisis and then there's a resolution and when there's that resolution our brains love the pattern of it and they release all this dopamine uh, which tells us that we've worked this story out it's followed this wonderful pattern we've learned something important uh, we've had this emotional journey and that dopamine actually can be part of the reason it spurs us to action because it motivates us to act on what we've heard.
0: Okay, dopamine, done. Oxytocin, (laughs) what's the difference?
2: Oxytocin is the neurochemical that's all based on connection, the feelings of trust and security. It's what helps us bond to one another. And so when a narrator is telling a story, you know, oxytocin is released every time they're speaking and we're relating to them. and. Through storytelling, we can actually put, place ourselves in the experience of the narrator when they were traveling back in time to that experience. And so there's actually a synchronization of our brain when they're telling the story. Uh, we like to refer to this as a neuroballet, whereby we actually place ourselves in the brains and bodies of the narrator when they're telling the story themselves. And oxytocin is really, really fundamental to storytelling. It's what makes us feel connected to the narrator. And it is also responsible for driving empathy and so especially when we're trying to use stories to, you know, help give people a new experience, help them learn something new, share in perspective, oxytocin is a really key driver of that empathy.
1: You know, and I so say that sort of relates back to something we chatted about in the previous episode, which is about how you create that genuine intimacy um, as a brand through the narrator of, of the audio and, and the listener. And so you genuinely get this chemical bond. You feel this sense of trust, this sense of belonging with the narrator. But also, interestingly, anyone else who is listening to that story, whether they're beside you or whether they're somewhere on the other side of, of the world, you still feel this synchrony because you're going through the same emotional journey throughout the story with them.
2: And empathy is a, a really you know key emotion, let's call it, for lack of a better word, Um in this day and age, because, you know, it's shown that empathy drives pro-social behaviour and pro-social action. And pro-social action is anything we're doing to care for others outside of ourselves, whether that's caring for the environment, caring for a neighbour, a stranger on the street. All of those empathetic actions we can take are really what's
0: needed today. And the neuro ballet, I just want to keep saying it because it sounds <laughs> cool, is that's the kind of holy grail, really, isn't it? Because obviously... If you're a brand or you're a creator trying creating a piece of audio that you want people to listen to, you're trying to provoke some sort of action. You're trying to provoke something. So the neuro ballet is that kind of moment where all those things come together, and you're embedding a, a memory, an emotion, and an action altogether.
1: Absolutely, and I think you know what's really wonderful, and and that neuroscience is is really showing us through a lot of studies right now, uh, is is the power of just audio alone to create uh, to move people literally move them to synchronise their brains and their hearts to produce all these chemicals that are going to motivate them to action Um, and actually you know despite what we we seem to culturally think about the power of film it's audio only that really has this greater power you can Talk about one of your other favorite studies now, <laughs> Robin's grinning away.
2: <laughs> well, I think, yeah, we all really love this study. And it's one that was done with a research lab at UCL, experimental psychology and with Audible, actually. And they wanted to test a lot of the things that we're talking about here today. And so they had individuals watch a video-based version of something and also the audiobook of the same thing. So they would watch a Game of Thrones episode or listen to the Game of Thrones audiobook, audio only. And what they found was that the arousal with an individual these emotional markers, their sweat response, their heart rate, they were all much higher in the audio experience. And while the self-reports of the individuals claimed that they liked the audiovisual better, actually the objective data would tell otherwise. And so it's really interesting that we've been kind of been, you know, conditioned with all these, you know, movies and audiovisuals. Maybe it's because our brain doesn't want to work as hard and we actually see the visual cues, but we're getting a stronger response in our bodies and our brains that we don't necessarily realize are impacting us in the same way. And so this is a really great study to really demonstrate the power of audio on those emotions, on those abilities to lay down more memories and create impact.
0: I think that's fascinating. The fact that people think they were more stimulated by watching something, but that the, the body says something else is incredible. And... and... We've talked about stories and you're talking about Game of Thrones and, and, and storytelling in a in a quite a narrative way, but obviously lots of what we create is factual rather and is non fiction rather than fiction. Do you think the same rules apply if you're talking about climate change or you're talking about Business or
1: those. yeah, 100%. Because the way the brain works, uh, it will attribute you telling me something about your day or us having a conversation here about something that's happening around us to in that it'll work in the same way as if we're completely creating a fiction. Uh, and in fact, you know, our ability as storytellers and sort of I was going to say deceivers in that we can create fictitious narratives works so well because all we do is we try and trick the brain into believing that this is something that's real and happening now. So the brain responds in exactly the same way as if we're discussing climate change right now or if i'm listening to game of thrones in each way it believes this is real and happening right now
0: so what the brand needs to do is harness that power of of storytelling but in the broadest sense that it can
2: Absolutely. The best we can do is create that emotional response in somebody's body and it's almost like the body forces them into presence and you know, gets rid of a lot of the mental chatter that we find distracting. And so by harnessing the power of sound and storytelling and audio, it's a perfect recipe to drive those emotional markers needed for success.
0: Brilliant. Thank you both very much. That was fascinating. What have we learned? We've learned that despite what you might think, the evidence shows that audio storytelling provokes more powerful, more emotional physical responses than video it's what we all knew anyway laying down stronger memories and moving us to take more action as a result thank you robin thank you Catherine from kinder studios for taking us through that
1: thank you very much thank you very much
0: i know i would say all that but you've just heard actual scientists say it, so that makes the difference. If you'd like to find out more about how you can create a powerful podcast for your brand or business, we're at freshairproduction.co.uk. And if you'd like to hear brand marketeers talk about their own podcast projects, how they came together and why they worked, all you have to do is go back through the many episodes of Fresh Ears on this very feed. In the meantime, I'm Neil Cowling. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.
1: Fresh. Right.